This podcast is a presentation of Sunset Presbyterian Church. For more information, log on to our website at www.sunsetpres.org. Good morning, everybody. Good to see you all. Let me make sure I can see you all before I say that. Okay. Good to see you all. Uh, Hey, warm greetings to everybody who's participating in the study or listening on the podcast. And uh, thanks, Kim, for starting us off and covering this with prayer. Well, I was so happy to realize that I was teaching on the breastplate of righteousness. And the reason is because I'm a very practical girl. And um, this is a very practical topic. So we're going to be practical today. Hope that's okay with you. So I always like to start with the big picture. So I started by going to the scripture that leads into the description of God's armor. And I'd like to read it to you, Ephesians 6, 10 through 13. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, So when the day of evil comes, you'll be able to stand your ground, and after you've done everything, to stand. Putting on the armor is mentioned twice in that section. Did you notice the adjective that was used to describe the armor of God? Exactly, the full armor of God. We're meant to put it on and wear all of it. It all works together. So let's remember that the battle is in the spiritual realm and that it happens whether we realize it or not. Last week, Michelle Richley talked about the first piece of armor, the belt of truth. She told us that God's truth is foundational, it exists, and to put it on, we appropriate it for ourselves. We internalize it. And now we get to the breastplate of righteousness. By the way, this week, I would like to... um, give another name to the breastplate of righteousness. I like to call it the umbrella of upright living. I took my greyhound out this morning, and it was pouring. I mean, pouring at my house, and she stepped onto the very spongy lawn. She looked back at me like, really, lady? I know she was thinking, hey, I know your bathroom isn't wet like this, because I follow you in there every time you go. All right. (laughs) Okay. All right. Okay, the breastplate of righteousness. Here's how I want to kind of structure my comments today. What is it? Why do we put it on? And what does it do? Okay, so what is the breastplate of righteousness? Let's talk about the Roman soldier's armor. They had a metal plate over leather um, that uh, protected the chest and vital organs because obviously in battle, a thrust to the heart could be a deadly blow. I imagine it restricted their movement a little. I think sometimes, uh, you all know I love football, right? Um, some football players, they, they wear their shoulder pads and their, their armor, basically. <laughs> football players wear armor. And they wear different types of armor depending on the type of movement they need to be able to do. And the ones who are getting hit in the hardest and the most often, they have more armor, so they're a little bit restricted in their movement. And, um, and so really putting on that armor restricted their movement a little but at the same time, it was really important for them to protect their heart. 
So there's a reason for them to put on their armor, and there's a reason for us to do it as well. Sometimes restricting is freeing. It releases us from worry, and it releases us from danger. All right, and the breastplate works with the belt, right? Because the breastplate would oftentimes rest on the belt. So putting on the breastplate of righteousness can be um, assisted by that belt of truth. All right, the breastplate in the armor of God is righteousness. And Priscilla Shire in our study defines righteousness as upright living that aligns with the expectations of God. That's pretty practical, right? Upright living that aligns with the expectations of God. The armor's working together already. In order to align with the expectation of God, we need the truth. The belt of truth affirms God's standard, and the breastplate of righteousness aligns our lives to that standard. So I'm going to read some scripture in just a minute, and if you'd like to read along, um, please grab your Bibles and turn to Ephesians chapter 4. I want to mention a resource that I used in my preparation for today. It's a book that Priscilla Shire actually used when she wrote this study. It's called The Full Armor of God by Larry Richards. It's not a long book, so if you like extra reading, I recommend it. And Larry Richards, uh, his... Um, the thing that he, the way he organizes the book of Ephesians is he, all, the, all of the book leading up to the listing of the armor of God, he believes that there's a section that covers each piece of the armor leading up to chapter 6. So chapter 4 is where the breastplate of righteousness is described. So I'm going to read, um, and by the way, in my Bible, it's under a section title called Instructions for Christian Living. So how practical is that? So I'm going to start in Ephesians 4.17. So I tell you this, and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do, in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they're full of greed." That, however, is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on a new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we're all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. Do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who has been stealing and must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with their own hands, that they may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building up others and their needs, that it might benefit those who listen. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another. Forgiving each other, just as God in Christ forgave you. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. Wow, there's so much good stuff in there. 
And it all teaches us about the practical armor of God. It teaches us about aligning our lives to the standard of truth. If you're listening carefully, you notice that a lot of what our study author covered this week is listed in this very passage. Larry Richards, in his book, puts it this way. The breastplate that protects our vitals from the most deadly of Satan's thrusts is maintaining a good, holy, and righteous lifestyle here and now. We know what the breastplate of righteousness is. Now let's look at why we put it on. In my small group, we often come back to a certain theme, and that's this. It's a heart thing. For me, it just always seems to always come back to the condition of my heart. When we talk about aligning our behavior with God's standard, it's important to put on that breastplate of righteousness to guard our hearts. And why is that? Well, Proverbs 4.23 says it best, and I know that most of you know what I'm about to say. Feel free to say it with me. Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Everything you do flows from your heart. Important to guard our hearts. Now, our faith in Jesus Christ saves us. The gift of the counselor of the Holy Spirit resides in our hearts. We have that imputed righteousness of Christ that Priscilla Shire writes about in our study. We are credited with righteousness through Christ, righteousness we didn't earn. Is that the righteousness Paul refers to when he writes about putting on that breastplate? Larry Richards, in his book, writes this. Jesus did not suffer simply to take us to heaven when we die. Jesus died to rescue us from the dominion of darkness and to bring us into the kingdom of the Son of God the Father loves. This rescue calls for a revolution in our lifestyles. We're no longer to gratify the cravings of our sinful nature or follow its desires and thoughts. It is true that imputed righteousness is a dominant theme in the New Testament revelation, but God intends to those to whom he credits righteousness on the basis of Jesus' cross to live righteous lives here and now. This kind of righteousness is realized righteousness, a life lived in harmony with God's will, here in this dark world, now in this present time. Now, Priscilla Shire calls um, realized righteousness, she calls it practical righteousness. So, God's intention for us is clear in 1 Peter 1, 13 through 16, and I want to read it from the message translation of the Bible. So, roll up your sleeves, put your mind in gear, be totally ready to receive the gift that's coming when Jesus arrives. Don't lazily slip back into those old grooves of evil doing just what you feel like doing. You didn't know any better then. You do now. As obedient children, let yourselves be pulled into a way of life shaped by God's life, a life energetic and blazing with holiness. God said, I am holy. You be holy. Let me read that last part again. As obedient children, let yourselves be pulled into a way of life shaped by God's life, a life energetic and blazing with holiness. God said, I am holy. You be holy. Does that sound like taking off the old self and putting on the new self? It does to me. All right. So let's talk about what the breastplate of righteousness does. So practical righteousness, the breastplate of righteousness, living in line with the expectation of God, guards our hearts, which are the centerpieces of our souls. We know that's important because everything we do flows from there. 
Paul instructs us to take off our old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, and put on our new self, which is made new in the attitude of our minds. The tricky part is this. The new self yearns for and responds to God, but the old self still exists, and it responds to sinful desires. When we feed the new self with upright living, it gets stronger and stronger every day and produces spiritual fruit. It also takes up more space in our hearts. I imagine it crowding out and weakening the old self, which is an ally of the evil one. When we act in line with God's expectations, we're partnering with the Holy Spirit. But if we neglect the new self, that old self has a better chance of getting our attention. And it wants to open the back door for the evil one. When we put on the breastplate of righteousness, we deny easy access to our hearts from the enemy. Well, I want to give you a practical application of all of this, because while I was preparing for this, um, the, a, a recent victory, although it was small, in my life came to mind, and it aligned with all of this really well. So I'm going to share it with you. Uh, <clears throat> January 12th was a Sunday. And I went to bed that night and uh, took a little while to fall asleep, but fell asleep, and at 2 a.m., I was awakened by my greyhound standing next to my bed crying. Well, that's weird because the greyhound sleeps in my daughter's room with the door closed. So I thought, oh my gosh, is she okay? What's going on? So I got up and went in her room, no daughter. Okay, that was alarming to me. Now, Carmen works at Mod Pizza, and she sometimes does the closing shift, and so sometimes they, if they don't have a lot of people, it just varies how long it takes them to finish. And sometimes she has a coworker who doesn't have a car and sometimes has to wait like an hour for a bus if it's late enough, so she'll drive her home, which is a little bit of a distance. But still, she's always home by 2 a.m. So I was super worried, and I immediately grabbed my phone and sent her a text, are you okay? No response. So called, no response. So I was alarmed, but not completely freaking out. And so I remembered that um, I can't worry and pray at the same time. So I started praying, and I prayed, you know, let her be safe, you know, let me hear from her, you know, God take care of her, but also take care of me, sorry, selfish. Um, <laughs> I prayed for a long time, and still I had all the while looking at my phone, you know, I'm thinking, do I wake up my husband? Well, no, that just means two of us are awake, you know? And by the way, you know, when you have an adult child living with you, you have to find a way to coexist um, without being too overbearing. But she is really good. We've been really successful. She's really good about letting us know. Sometimes she goes and stays a night with a friend who lives close to her campus. She goes to the University of Portland, which is not super close to here. And, but she never does that on a school night. So... I was, I was all over the place with worry and prayer. And finally I thought, oh, I gotta do something. So I got up and I went in her room. And I looked around in her room and I noticed no computer, no backpack that carries all of her school stuff. So I'm thinking, oh, she must have planned to be away at a friend's house for the night, but she didn't tell me. She always tells me. So then guess what happened? The back door opened. 
the back door opened, ladies, and I started to feel angry. Why didn't she tell me? I'm going to be awake all night. When I'm wide awake like this in the middle of the night, I can't get back to sleep. That is so inconsiderate. I can't believe this. I mean, I was, you know, I, I was really working myself up. And, I mean, you guys, the back door was wide open. The old self was having a party and letting in the evil one. And so, um, but then, but then, thank you, Jesus, um, the day before, not, not the day before, well, kind of the day before, on Saturday, I had been at the um, Ambassadors of Reconciliation Seminar all day here at the church, and I remembered, oh, wait a minute, like, I'm working up a conflict in my mind here, and I just need to make sure that I'm not sinning in this conflict, right? That's the way to honor God. So then I realized, okay, I need to ramp it down, ramp it down, keep praying, make sure she's okay. Well, so here's the story. I never was able to fall back to sleep. Until about 6.40, my alarm went off at 7. <laughs> it was a zombie, you guys, a complete zombie. I was just, you know, but, but I just reached for my phone. And there was a text from Carmen. She had, did not receive my text or phone call the night before because her phone was off because she was sleeping. And she said, oh, Mom, I'm at Audrey's. That's her friend who lives closer to campus. If you'll recall, that was the week when we thought we might have some snow and slick ice conditions. So that was her first day back to school for the spring term. She wanted to make sure there weren't any issues. And so I immediately thought, okay, back door opened again <laughs> because I'm so tired, you know? I'm worn down. So I immediately thought, well, why didn't you tell me? You know, and I was just, I mean, I was ready to just rip off a text, let me tell you. Moms, have we done that sometimes? Yeah. Yeah, like, thanks for telling me, or something, you know, or something even worse. Something even worse. But then, after a pause, during which I remembered once again, wait a minute, I need to, you know, I need to honor God here, another text came in. I'm so sorry, Mom. I'm so sorry you worried. I told Dad. Here's the thing, ladies. She never tells dad. She never tells dad. But then again, going back to January 12th, January 12th was the, was the last Seahawks playoff game, and I had the whole family over. We were watching it, and then it ran late, and so I had to run straight to youth group on, down here. And so I was just running that night. And so, um, so she told her dad, and her dad didn't tell me. So... And then the next text was even worse. Mom, I'm so sorry you worried. Oh, thank you, Holy Spirit, that I did not send her a mean text. I mean, it, to me, this was a huge victory. I know it's a small thing, but when we started studying this, I thought, you know what, here's a practical example of, you know, I, I, remembered, I remembered God's expectations of me. I remembered my breastplate of righteousness. I lost a night of sleep. I did. But I gained a stronger piece of armor. I'll close with a recap. Evil exists. Our battle is in the spiritual realm. We talked about that week one. And by the way, what's our best access to that spiritual realm? Prayer. Practiced a lot of it the night of January 12th. 
Our sovereign God, who sent His Son to die for us, has standards. Week two, the belt of truth. The enemy wants us to separate, wants to separate us from God and uses the old self as an ally to trying to gain access to our hearts. The breastplate of righteousness, upright living in line with God's expectations, strengthens and expands the new self, which is an ally of the Holy Spirit. And as that strengthening happens, day by day, over and over again, we are sanctified, we are formed into the image of Christ. Dear God, thank you so much for this time. Thank you for your protection of my heart. Father, I hope we will all guard our hearts on a regular basis through knowing your truth and living in alignment with that. And Father, thank you for this day and even for the pounding rain. I'm so grateful that we can all be here together, that none of us had to fear walking in these doors this morning. I thank you for the community that we're in, Father. I thank you for another opportunity to, to be a real um, practical help to us, and that's the If Gathering coming up in March. I thank you for that opportunity, Father. That'll help us to draw on, just like I drew on my Ambassadors of Reconciliation experience. And Father, I just want to pray for our small groups. I pray that your Holy Spirit will guide our discussions. And I pray that we will lean on the community that we have with our sisters in Christ another way that is strengthening our new self. And we thank you for all of these things, Father. In your name, Jesus.